Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. We are so glad you're here. If you are new, thank you for joining us. If you've tuned in before, welcome back. I'm Jenna Layden, founder of Star Family Wisdom and the former global vice president for Whole Foods Market. And I'm Sinead Willihan, former special needs educator and the co-host of the Star Family Wisdom Podcast. And Star Family Wisdom is a paradigm-shifting podcast, community, and online school for your spiritual and cosmic evolution. And we're here today in person in Sedona. This is probably the first time you're seeing the two of us together in person. Sinead's here, and we are interviewing so many wonderful guests and mm -hmm. having so many amazing conversations that we will be bringing you on this podcast. Indeed. And today we're talking about Alan Seinfeld, who is a major leader in ufology, paranormal, spiritual communities, and the spiritual world. Um, because he doesn't only, his impact is not only in North America, who's somebody who, um, his reach is really global. He has a large following on his new reality show, and he was generous enough to sit down with us and share not only his professional experience, which most people know about, but also his personal experience and his personal journey. Yeah, it was such a beautiful conversation. We have followed Alan for many years on our journey. And in the episode, we talk about his book, Making Contact, which I love. I picked that up when it came out, I think, in 2020. And Alan talks about how you know his initial ET contact experience led to decades of research on the topic of ETs and everything Sinead just, just shared. And, and he brings such a breadth of experience from his time in this field. And it was just such a fun conversation to pick his brain and, and learn from his experience. Yeah, it really was. And also, you know, we really wanted to make it a priority that Alan had some had the time with us to talk a little bit more about his personal journey, his personal experience, which as we found out, started very young when he was a child. So he doesn't have to often get to talk about that. You know, he doesn't often get to, to, to speak about his own personal journey, his personal experiences with ETs. He's a contactee, he's an abductee, but usually Alan is the one who's bringing other people together and talking about them and what their contributions are. So we wanted to shine a little spotlight on him and um, just make sure that, you know, he gets some, uh, some credit and some, some understanding towards what he's bringing to all of this personally. He has a very lifelong experience with seeking, questing, and uh, wanting to have contact with what is out in the stars. You know, as a child, he was very, very interested in what was up there in outer space and spent lots of time just, just staring up in the, in the, you know, into the ethers and wondering what was out there and asking the adults around him if they could help him understand it. But they weren't really able to do that. So he, spelt, he had this experience of loneliness when he was a child. And that was partly what drove him to continue to seek and to ask questions. Yeah. What was your favorite part? My favorite part was when he asked me to read that part in his book that yeah. was describing his experience, what I just talked about, of you know, being a child, being a very young child, and um, wondering what was out there, wanting to know more, yeah. and feeling like the adults in his life didn't really understand him. That was and touching. It was, yeah. because he got a little emotional, like yeah. tears kind of appeared in his eyes, and that was really moving, because it's just another testament to the fact that when we have these experiences... They have such a deep impact on who we are that even decades later, you still feel that moment you had as a child, right? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And he talks about it in his abduction experience. While he knew something had happened, something strange had happened, uh, he didn't really explore that experience for decades. And, and he talks about what it was like to go through that kind of opening up an exploration of 
that hidden memory that so many people have that that so many people are now discovering and, and understanding and I think I think that'll really resonate you know with those who have had experiences that they can't quite explain. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Alan had an abduction experience in the 1980s and that's again something he doesn't often speak about so we got him to talk about that and he really was very honest you know he said that it was terrifying he had the experience of fear and you know, uncertainty and not being sure that he really wanted to find out more of what had happened. He couldn't remember everything that had occurred when he came out of the abduction experience. So it took him 25 years to do a regression, which was just a few years ago, to find out more of what occurred for him in that experience and how it's connected to everything that's happened for him since. It was really interesting, that part. What yeah. was your favorite part of our interview with him? I, you know, I really loved the part where he talked about uh, creativity and integrity. You know, I think the, you know, the ET topic gets a lot of attention these days, but, you know, the spiritual journey is really integral to understanding the ET contact phenomenon. And, and a lot of Alan's spiritual journey has led him to understanding really deeply about integrity and creativity as part of our lives. And, and he talks about how, you know, integrity really helps us expand our powers, our, you know, capabilities, you know, our um, spiritual abilities. And, and I think that is so important, you know, for anywhere we're at on our journey, no matter what our journey is, that, you know, we are leading it with integrity. And, mm -hmm. and, and, you know, he talks about bringing creativity into his life and into his path and, and how fulfilling that has been to him as a person. And that was a really fun part of the conversation. For I me. agree. Yeah. yeah, I agree. I love that he emphasized that creativity is a form of channeling the divine, right? That part of it's a form of channeling the, not channeling in the way that we usually think of it, but we are channeling all the time the cosmic consciousness that we all belong to, that we are all connected to. We are always connected with it and the ways in which we utilize it in our lives, we can do with awareness or not. And in Alan's case, creativity is one of the tools he used to really increase his level of connectivity and awareness of what the cosmic mind is and how he could bring it into his own life but also how creativity is a part of the spiritual practice, a very valuable part of spiritual practice, because we are all creators. Even if we don't think of ourselves as being creative, we are creators and we are co constantly creating. It doesn't matter what it is, good or bad, we are creating all the time. So Alan talks about coming to more awareness of how we are creating and also using creativity as a way to further our development of our own awareness of self and our awareness of the universe that we are all part of, not just Earth, the universe. And I love that Alan also emphasized that, right? That we are intergalactic. We are not only on Earth. He considered us, he considers us to be ETs ourselves. And he speaks about why that is. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. It's such a it's such a big thing to wrap your mind around, right? All of all of the topics related to how the universe works, how we create our reality. And I think Alan does a, just a really fun job of bringing it down to earth and having fun conversation mm -hmm. about that, not taking himself too seriously, not taking all of this too seriously. And I think that is, you know, a magical combination, you know, yes. when, we can, when we can get to that place. Yes, Alan has a terrific sense of humor. He also values humor as part of the spiritual journey, which I love because we have to be able to laugh at the absurdity of being human sometimes. Yeah. But also he believes in being in a state of I don't know. And I really love that. I love that he says that the mystery is 
the path is the journey is the exciting thing right yeah. the mystery it's not the finding of the answers it's the process of discovery and exploration and being curious so alan is really an adventurer and i love that he emphasizes that the mystery is also in here not only out there yeah mm -hmm. i think that's really important so let's get into it let's jump into the conversation before we spill the beans on all of the, <laughs> the fun parts and and you'll have links to alan's information in the show notes please please check out his work and follow him for so much insight and inspiration mm -hmm. and we'll see you on the other side see you soon Welcome everyone. We are here today with Alan Steinfeld and this is someone who needs no introduction, but we are going to toot his horn and share a bit about his experience and the work he has done in the field of spirituality and ET contact and UFOs. And we are just thrilled to have him here for a fun conversation about Alan's journey and everything he has learned and everything he has contributed to the community. So welcome, oh, Alan. Thanks. It is so nice to be here in such a beautiful place like Sedona. I love it here. Yes, we're here in Sedona together in person. It's so, so wonderful to be here together in person. It is, as yeah, opposed really to being on Zoom with a box. Yeah. <laughs> John and I had this joke about how we didn't know how we looked from here down. Uh, and like we right. see each other for months just yeah, like this. Exactly. So this is nice. Yeah, you get yeah. much more yes. of a... Uh, We're real people. A totality. <laughs> you get so much more of the person. Yes. Oh, yes. 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 So I want to read just a quick bio for Alan. Oh, show the book. This is Alan's <laughs> book, Making Contact, which you can find in the show notes. We'll include a link to his book and a link to all of his other work, of course. Um, but Alan Steinfeld is a contributor and curator of the collection of essays in this book. This is an incredible book that includes so many experts in the field of, of ufology, ET contact, and um, really goes into depth on all of the research, the breadth of research that has yes. been done on the topic. And Alan has really curated um, this collection. And in addition to writing this book, Alan um, is an ET experiencer, of course, and he first had his alien contact or star family contact, as we like to say, in 1987 and became obsessed with that topic. And he has since lectured on the subject in New York, California, England, France, Spain, all over the world. And he has also been um, involved in the crop circle studies in England. Alan has also worked with Russell Targ from the Stanford Research Institute. And he has also emceed one of the largest UFO gatherings in the world, the Contact in the Desert event. Yes. And he has produced two feature length documentaries, The Hidden Hand with James Carmen and Calling All Earthlings. And he's also produced a cable program and YouTube show, New Realities. Uh, he's lived in New York for many years. And in that work, he has featured so many important yes. um, guests like Deepak Chopra, Marianne Williamson, Ron Doss, Bruce Lipton, Joe Dispenza, to name a few. So 
Alan has done so much incredible work in this field. We just cannot wait to oh. pick his brain and learn from him. It sounds like a lot, but it's just day to day. What do people do day to day? They do yeah. things. So this is day to day for a few decades. Yes, this yeah. is what I've been doing for day to day. You know, it adds up. But yes. I am passionate about finding the truth. What yeah. are we doing here? Yeah, what, what is the purpose of our Yes. Purpose? And what, what do you think yeah. after all of these oh, years? Oh, that is a good question because I don't know if I have an answer. What do, I think we're here to evolve our consciousness, yeah. to wake up, to um, understand ourselves as human beings. Like, what does that mean to even be a human being? We have to first disconnect from all the program we have and religions and media, education, family, all the program that tells us you are this, this, and this, yeah. and find out something else that maybe we're something else and what no one's told us. Mm -hmm. So I don't want to tell people what they are either. Everyone's here to find out the mystery. Mm -hmm. I, I don't know if we can solve the mystery, but at least know we are part of the mystery. We are on the journey with it. Yeah, as it. it. Yeah. As the mystery, as, as the... And, incomprehensible right it turns out ets are a huge part of that mystery <laughs> well for some people yeah, yeah for like you know i talked to deepak chopra who's yeah. like quite a, a spiritual being but yeah. didn't really get the et part and says well it's all a mystery what's the big deal and i said to him this expands the historical yes. perspective of our culture yeah beyond history it's all consciousness we're all one but as we move through time and space as a culture we want to understand this evolutionary um, expansion as cultural beings you know because we're living inside a society uh, and we're we're at a different all of us here and maybe watching we're sort of pushing the envelope of what that is yeah. we're not just trying to like make it nice and and all that we're trying to like say what else is possible yeah unturn overturn every stone yes and that's exciting isn't it yes incredibly that's why we're all here yes. our lives about this right yeah. and yeah. maybe many people who are watching it have so yeah. speaking of which i've got a question for you anything you want okay um great anything we want john anything we want yeah. this card. is gonna get good, <laughs> Not good right? okay. <laughs> all right but i don't think that uh many people know or you know maybe i'm Wrong, but my feeling is that not a lot of people know that you yourself are a lifetime experiencer. That, that is seen, true. Right? And you haven't been able to talk about that much. So that's one of the reasons that Jenna and I wanted to have you mm -hmm. here today is that you do so much for other people. Right. And you don't often get to talk about your own journey. And we find your own journey oh, fascinating. Thank you. I feel like, okay, so, I know what I've been doing. <laughs> but if other people are interested, they can ask me. But, you know, actually, I also thought it's obvious. I must be a long time experience. Like, why else would someone do this 24 hours a day? Well, I, I didn't even know that until oh. I read your book. That wasn't clear for me. So I think um, it would be awesome for you to share about that well, experience. How did it start for you? Yeah. How did it start? Did, like including like last lifetime and all that? Well, I, maybe I, let's stick with this lifetime. Okay. We'll go. Well, I do think there's, I'll, I'll go back to last life, but I do think it is connected. Yeah. It's one long Absolutely. lifetime. There are no like separate, it's all an adventure in yeah. being. Yes. But my earliest memories of like encounters was, was seeing faces at the window I must have been three or four years old like 
And then, you know, it's really strange. I would play with all these little toys. And then this one toy showed up that was like the face of the being outside the window. And I said, that's weird. It was like this big round face with like ears and like a new, I mean, I don't know if that's exactly what it looked like, but it was so odd. I saw, as a child, as a five-year-old, I sort of made like an association of confirmation. Wow, that what, here it's showing up. And I thought I just saw something and here it is as this little wow. plastic toy. So, and then even before that, I would have strange experiences. Like, I don't think you could separate this spiritual adventures from the ET. I think they're all part of one big thing, as our friend Grant Cameron would say, when he woke up to the fact, well, it's all consciousness, you know? Yeah. So when I was younger, I was, I think I was a hyperactive child. I think I'm glad I wasn't born later when they give people drugs to, but I, to calm them down. But I can never fall asleep, even at two years old. It's like, why am I going to sleep now? It's still light out, you know? And, you know, my parents going by the rule, but your child goes to bed early, but I never wanted to go to sleep. <laughs> I was always hyper, you know, but I, I would just lay there in bed and I would just close my eyes and, and kind of sort of meditate. I would yeah. look straight ahead. I guess it was at my third eye, like right there while my eyes were shut. And then I started to see like light, the going traveling on the white light as like, Oh, wow. Three years old. That's cool. I mean, I didn't know what it was. I just did it. But um, that seemed like it took me somewhere, like yeah. opened my mind. And of course, I'm Aquarius. So we're always looking for new adventures. And what's on you? Capricorn. And you? I'm Gemini. That's Gemini. fitting that you're Aquarius, that you were one of, you know, the first, you know, waves of yes. experiencers. In yeah. the Aquarian age. Yeah. Yes. So that was early stuff. And then, oh, I'd have astral projection. I feel like I was being pulled out of my body. Like the time I was like 13 or 14. Oh, wow. I was living on Long Island with my parents. They had moved from the city, New York City. And um, I was in this, my, for some reason, my mother decorated the room with these red shutters, like oh. on the window, which is weird. But there was like, I'd wake up in the night and this sort of like red and light type impression. And I sort of be like not able to move. I would feel like I was being pulled out of my body by the back of my neck, like sort of astrally. Yeah. I guess that's the only way to describe it. I've, I've talked to other people who've had that experience. So, um, and then it was sort of out of my body. I never associated that with ETs, but maybe it was. And then you have to find how to get back in yeah. to the body. Right. Like, I think something happened to me like that last night. I woke up. Anyway, but <laughs> it's happened. But um, So you've experienced like coming back into your body, that yeah. sensation. Yeah, but I didn't know how I did it. Yeah. It was just like a shift of thought. Other times I've had lucid dreams where I was out of the body, okay. where I was moving through walls. And, it's, and you can, have you ever had that? Um, not in that way. I've had some other similar experiences where it felt like I was traveling outside of my body, and but not like you were traveling outside. And you, yeah. did you? I've had, I've had astral travel happen spontaneously you know, yeah. when I was a kid and uh, not for a long time. I think the last time was early, mm -hmm. like pre-prebescence, you know, prior to being a teenager. You can practice that, of course. Yeah, there is, yeah, yeah. And yeah. Egyptians have practices. And I actually have practiced that. Carlos yeah. Castaneda was a big influence on me. You know Carlos Castaneda? Yes, yes. Have you, do you have your yeah. books? Yeah, yeah. You have? Yeah. 
great. Now that was a big influence in the Taoist practices. And then I met a spiritual teacher. I mean, I had met like some gurus. I didn't want to follow anybody around, like, mm -hmm. you know, worship anyone. That was not my spiritual path. But graduating college, I was looking for like, what would be like a fun spiritual path to yeah. be on? Everyone was going into Osho and wearing their picture of Bob Wan. It's like, I didn't want to dress in orange or maroon. That was not my color. You know, I didn't look good in maroon. So I wasn't going to be a sannyasin that way. And then, um, what else? This was like the early 80s. Oh, but before that, I always did want to be an astronaut. Oh, wow. Me too. Always, yes. I always was connected to the stars. I always yeah. knew, like, there was a connection for me yeah. out there. So it just evolved, and then you know, I was interested in, interested in psychology in college, and thought that was an answer to what we are psychologically yes. motivated, and realized no, it's beyond psychology. There's something more beyond psychology. So I just looked to other alternatives, other spiritual traditions. You know, there was the Sufis, and there was the Kundalini Yoga, and then there was the Kabbalists never really resonated with that. I was brought up Jewish, but the Jew Judaism I was brought up with, my father was Orthodox originally, he became a Buddhist later on, but it was very dry, you know, and uh, Jesus seemed like a nice guy, but I wasn't really into the whole thing. And uh, I don't know, there weren't a lot of options until like the early 80s, I think, and that's when the whole channeling thing started. Right. And Eastern right. mysticism, right? Eastern mysticism. Yeah. That was kind of interesting. 70s, I liked, 80s. Yeah, more. 70s, 80s, yeah. Ramdas, and right. so I tried that, and then Maharishi TM meditation, yes. and that was good. I did yeah. do meditation, not TM, but so all those paths were available, but nothing really like grabbed me. Until 1987? No, before okay. until 1981. Okay. When I heard this voice, that was like this Shakespearean voice, and I heard a tape, like my roommate, my roommate had left in my apartment, and it was this channel, and people were asking this channel questions, and somebody said to this channel, well, she had this skin condition, and she tried everything to cure it, and nothing would work, and this channel, Rampa, said, have you tried loving it? And I said, wow, that's wise. <laughs> wow. Have you tried loving it, Sinead? You're the, the whole thing. Um, and that was like, oh, well, maybe this path is about love. Yeah. And so, oh, I love that. And that's, yes. been, that's been such a profound part of our experience, yes. the, the love connection and the support. It's yes. not a scary experience. No. It's not scary. So I said, okay, I was... And this channel, Jay-Z9, was channeling Rampa in 1981. That's where Joe Dispenza started, if you want with Joe's history. I knew him back in the day. I mean, I mean, he was doing other stuff, but he emerged out of that school. But anyway, 1981, I figured, oh, well, someone before, before that told me this woman channels this 35,000-year-old Atlantean warrior. And I thought they were just being psychotic. Right. <laughs> I mean, that's great. But so what? No, it's for breakfast, you know. Right. But, but no, so, I, so then if you thought it was bonkers, how did you actually come into contact? Because with her? because I actually heard that tape uh, after after that was two years earlier that I thought it was like just because I was still coming out of college from a psychological perspective. It okay. had to be either the person is making it up, they're crazy, 
Or, no, I don't think maybe it's really happening. Something's really happening. But I heard the take. They said, well, maybe this is about love. And I put like my judgments about psychology on the side. And to say psychology, from this perspective, has done a great service for us. It made us look at it, helped us look at ourselves, but it's done a great disservice on the other level and distrusting our mind. Like if you hear voices, you're crazy. If you have an imagination, you're crazy. So I've emerged out of the psychological paradigm, but not quite then. I just went to an audience, 1981, in New York City. She was coming to New York, channeling the the being Rampa, who was in the Latin War, who lived 35,000 years ago, who created war actually back then because it's a whole, that's a whole other story. But so I'm sitting in this audience there and I didn't really know what to expect. This woman kind of goes through this, well, she doesn't actually go into a trance on stage, although I did see her go into a trance and then her body changes and mm-hmm. kind of swells. Have you seen those pictures? Mm-hmm. Have you seen what I'm talking about? No, oh, there's a great video of Rantha on Merv Griffin. Okay. Where she's actually going into a trance and this is a full trance channel which is like, she gets out of the way and something else comes in there. Mm -hmm. Daryl is close. Very similar, yeah. But Daryl is not as full of trance because he just sits there like this. Rantha gets up and walks around like an old warrior. Oh, wow. I'm gonna watch some, yeah. So um, so I'm sitting in the audience and people are asking questions, like ridiculous questions, like nothing personal, but how to, what's, what's wrong with their cat or, you know, how to find their uh, a religion, all the typical questions. And here's yeah. this, this being later on, sort of really knew what the answers to a lot of stuff, like ancient history. This is Lumurian times, 35,000 years ago. I mean, if you believe the story, but anyway, I'm sitting there and it's kind of entertaining and it's humorous. And then Rantha calls on me. I didn't even raise my hand. He said, what say you, beloved entity? How be you this day in your time? Whoa. I know. Isn't that weird? Wow. It's like Shakespearean. <laughs> what say you, beloved entity? How be you this day in your time? Yeah. I mean, just adjusting to that vibration yeah. was was like, and I said, me, are you talking to me? <laughs> it was no and he goes, indeed, entity. And then what happened then? It's like the vibration of the room shifted. It's like everything sort of like, not quite melted, but it became hazy and misty. And it's like, I was in this like altered state, not hypnotic, but I was in this other state. And I felt like there was a part of me that kind of emerged and embraced this part of Rampa in the middle of the room energetically. And we just kind of wow. like, had that connection. Energy tendrils. Yeah. Energy so we expressed it that like your energy tendrils and their energy tendrils kind of reach out. I guess, but it was more like a, a presence and tendrils. Okay. But uh, but maybe. Um, but then I knew in that moment that there was more to me, that there was an energetics that you, I did learn in college that the, that the body was one thing, but the energy that was the body that, you know, filled the body Mm -hmm. was greater than the body. And that came to me in that moment that, oh, there is something more to reality. There is something more to me. And you have to have an experience. Like, it's great to talk about these things, 
but it doesn't become wisdom until you have the experience. Yes. People can read books and do all those things yeah. and it's great, but it will only exist up here. Exactly. And, and you only... have to be open. Yes, you have to, to be... start to happen, I think. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Exactly. You have yeah. to be open to the vibrational frequencies of that happening. So I guess I was open. I didn't really expect any. I thought so I would just check this out, but there was something pushing me towards a spiritual path. And Ramtha would say, look, the big mystery is not who's coming through this body. The big mystery is who's coming through that body. What are you channeling there? I said, well, well that's really interesting. Good question. I'll get back to you. <laughs> yeah. No, but it makes sense. Who are we? Who, yeah. is, who, yeah. are we who are you channeling right now, Jana? Who's Jana? Where did that come from? Yes. What's the mystery of that? So it's like, yeah. That's the big mystery. Forget about that's happening on stage. What's coming through here? Yeah. And so that started like really a 25 year course of study on mysticism and, and incarnation and, you know, um, creation, levels and levels of creation, why we incarnate. I mean, according to Ramtha's teaching and a lot of other people, you know, I saw... Lazarus, I saw videos of Lazarus, and then there was like the Eastern people, there was Ramdas who was active then, and there was lots of people, some, even like the um, psychedelically, Timothy Leary, well, I didn't do that much of that really, but Castaneda was a big part of my teachings, and they all kind of came together, and the key factor between Ramtha's work and the Taoist and Castaneda was integrity, something we're all trying to work on, but having integrity actually expands your spiritual body yeah it expands your power it yeah it expands your power as a um force in the world because yes. anything else just takes your energy yes even talking about people even if judging people even if it's, it's like all sucks your it's energy like a, it's like a curse when you do that it actually. is it's, it's watigo it's the arcana i'm getting a lecture not this weekend but on the arcanic energies how they, do you know about the archons? Yes. And they, they live off of that negative energy. So when you feed that archonic um, negative force, you're feeding this negative ET mm, yeah. race and it's draining your energetic yeah. fields. Yeah. So I guess like whatever you, whatever you focus on, you make more of, right? Yeah. If you, whatever you focus on, if you put your energy, your words, your thoughts, your actions towards a certain path and more of that is going right. to occur, occur and vice versa so you decided but did you feel like you were aware of that at that time um no not at that thought. time what were you going to say I, I guess i was kind of thinking about how your spiritual path mm -hmm. like all these kind of ex explorations yeah. you were doing came together to prepare you for et contact, oh you're so right? good i think so I mean, ET contact really is sort of um, not different than a spiritual path. It is a spiritual path. It is part of it's, our spiritual It thing. is not like, I mean, it is something, and you can look at it on just the level of there's visitors, or you can look at it on the level that, and that's what my book is about. You have to kind of um, find a new place in yourself if you're really going to start making contact. It's like... Um, these beings could show up and they do, right, for all of us. But um, 
there's nowhere to put it in the old paradigm right. of like 3D Newtonian linear understanding of reality, you know? And I think initiation is really mm. part of the evolution. And part of that school that Rantha had was a mystery school. And this is where in ancient Egypt, the initiates would yeah. go into the mystery school mm -hmm. to start to develop higher vision. And it took time, like it takes time to go through that process of opening. Yes, that's what we should yeah. create together, a mystery school, right? Mm. That takes people through the evolution yeah. of their own yeah. soul psyche. Like, did you ever read the book, The Red Lion? No, I haven't. That is my favorite book by Maria Zappas, okay. a Hungarian writer. And it's about person on the trip of incarnations in lifetimes. Mm. And it's about the the journey of the ancient initiate. Oh, I love that. Very from cool. innocence to magi, magus, mm -hmm. you know, to, mm -hmm. to the master, you know. So it's um, what we're all about because, you know, if we're part of this ET sort of phenomenon. It is a path of initiation. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It yeah. is. And it's, it's, and path of initiation is like there's no time off for that. Right. It's, right. it's always on. And yeah. I think it's important too to maybe just for the audience talk a little bit about how initiation mm. is about opening to and understanding the mysteries of the universe and how the universe works and the mm. mechanics of existence. And, and if we don't understand that, it's really difficult to understand the ET contact phenomenon. That's it. It's difficult to understand who we are yeah. in that context. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, the ET interface that's happening now in our culture, that's why we're having this conversation because there is this like cultural interface between this next level, like we're the bridge between the old world and the new world. Mm -hmm. It is about opening up more of your mind as initiation, you know? So if something appears in your dreams, you're being called to meet the phenomena on a level. Yeah. Like, right, that happened to you? Yes, and we feel that, I, well, this is one of the things I wanted to ask you oh, about, because okay. I believe you've spoken about this okay. uh, to, you know, some extent, that there's spiritual practice, a spiritual journey of yes. a person, you know, somebody could be going along their own spiritual path as you were, we have, mm -hmm. and then all of a sudden ETs appear, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, this has happened yes, for many people. people yeah. And so there does seem to be this direct symbiosis between that personal, internal, hard work that you do, that mm -hmm. you have to do, if you mm -hmm. want to be someone with integrity on a spiritual path, you have to confront yourself, right? You have to look at yourself and be willing to do that. And that's right. not easy to do. And no. so, you know, that's like really hard work, spiritual work, mm -hmm. deep work, mm -hmm. powerful work. Yes. Then suddenly ETs appear, right? right? So what do you say about what do you, I would love to hear you speak on the connection between that spiritual journey and when the ETs arrive. Well, you just lay it out beautifully. It's not two paths, right? When you open up, to the internal journey look at all your stuff be we realize we're part of a bigger cosmos mm. a bigger cosmos of consciousness and and the old spirituality not to judge that or put it in a box never got that far they said oh we're going for god and that's all there is and i think we have to keep a foot in both worlds the evolutionary human and the cosmic consciousness so when you move along that path of initiation 
and you realize that you're part of a cosmic consciousness, then you're going to meet the cosmic consciousness. <laughs> so it's it's not two paths. It's yeah. one path. Yeah. yeah. It's all really all the same thing. Mm -hmm. and, you know, it is all the same thing. Yeah. Because those beings, and they're high and low beings out there, right? They're, they're like anything else. Are you going to resonate? With the high beings, or are you gonna like yeah. you know resonate? It's a lower being. Yeah, 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 yeah. And so, if you want to resonate with the higher beings, you have to be a higher being, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. Yeah, you have and to work towards that. Yeah. Yes, yeah. and and do the practices of integrity and yeah. um and whatever else it takes to get the ego, the limited self, out of the way, mm -hmm. so you can become the great self. This is alchemy. This is what they call the um the great work. Mm -hmm. The prima mata, you know, the great work, the, um, you know, um, the biggest, the most important thing. Yeah, it's a Latin name for it, but um, yeah, I forget. Yeah, something yeah. like that. But the great work is the transformation of self. So the, the book, The Red Lion, is a path I, that was a great teaching of a, of a guy who goes through those levels. That's one, it's actually, I'm just mentioning because I just read it recently. It's one of my favorite books. Oh. I mean, I heard it being read. And I had read it myself, but it was being read on YouTube. It's like, wow, this is so much oh. wisdom on the path of initiation. Because if you're watching this, you are an initiate, mm -hmm. really. We Meaning that there's a lingering memory of being on a spiritual path from another lifetime. And maybe this is the lifetime or the chance to complete yeah. it, to ascend, because... We're being helped by the earth now. That's why we're in Sedona. I just is... got chills when Alan said that. <laughs> Welcome to your initiation. <laughs> <laughs> or yours, but <laughs> but Sedona yeah. is at a different vibrational field. Uh, so I think, this is my theory, we're in a huge magnetic field. Oh, absolutely. Iron, yeah. the iron oxide yeah. in the rock yeah. is creating a magnetic vortex, yeah. and you're in it. Yeah, and there's there's a lot of crystal in the mm -hmm. rocks around Sedona, right. and I, I agree. I think there is a difference in how the electromagnetic field operates Definitely. here that creates uh, an easier means of contact with beings from higher dimensions. And it opens up the dream field it and does. increases the cellular molecular vibration because the, the resonance of the magnetic field in the blood and body yes. can easily adjust. Like I just got off a plane the other day and it's like, I didn't even need sleep. I mean, I do like to sleep, but I didn't need that much sleep as I would if I had gone somewhere else. Exactly. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So have you ever had an yeah. ET contact experience here in Sedona? Uh, no. mm. Um, well, I did meet a woman in 87, getting back to 87. Okay. I came here in 87, met this woman, we fell in love, sort of, or something. Um, and we took a trip cross country and that's where we got abducted, both of us okay. from here. But so we met here. It felt like an arranged, not married, but it felt like an arranged relationship. <laughs> it was meant to be. Yeah. It oh. felt like something. We were both yeah. sort of into the whole thing. So I hadn't, oh, there was a sighting I had just in Flagstaff once. I was doing okay. a sweat lodge, this thing came down and then it went up. But um, I do get visited in dreams and what? Well, can you elaborate on the abduction experience? Yes. I mean, I know you've talked about it before. But no, it's in my book. I've got to read my book, but no. Yeah. 
<laughs> Don't forget to get making contact. Yes, you can. And a part of the reason I'm asking yes, you is, is because, um, you know, something Jen and I talk about a lot is that it's really important not to be too one way or the other, you know, when talking what's, about these what's, topics. What's one way mean? Well, like the extremes, what's, what's uh, you know, for extreme? example, um, you know, uh, there's there are people who, for good reason, have had scary experiences oh, with right. and so they think it's all scary, it's all fear, mm -hmm. and they're here to get come get right. us. Other people think, you know, they're only all love and light, and everything right. else. So you're sort of speaking to the fact that there's as much variety out there as there is here, I and we need so. to be open to all of it. Yes. So your abduction experience, I have not heard you speak okay, about it about in it. the same way that I've heard other people. All speak right. About well, it. your perspective on the experience and what you got from it is different. Right. right. Maybe I don't know, but going back to the idea of the extremes, this is what Greg Hernandez study in the free study. You know the beyond UFO saying people have can have a traumatic experience, but yes. I talked to those people and 87% of them said it was a, a great experience once it was digested. Right. Yes. But yes. I do think, and this is what I'm writing about also, there's something for me anyway, traumatizing mm -hmm. in the sense that reality is not what you thought it was. Right. When you are faced with it and suddenly the world is on its side. It's like you can, it's traumatic. Yeah. It is traumatic. Even if these beings are not out to get you. Maybe right. they are. I don't know. But for me, I was driving cross country with this girlfriend I had met in Sedona. So I met her in Sedona, not far from here. <laughs> and we had a really good connection. And then I continued going and we kept in touch. And then I ended up in Oregon. And she said she wanted to fly out and meet me in Oregon. And then we both drive back east together because she was from Detroit. I was from New York. We were both going back east or someone else. But anyway, so um, she meets me in Oregon. And then we decide to go back east. We stop at a nice hot springs the night before. It was really nice. And we have a great connection. And um, but we've been driving one day all day and then we're just really tired because you know, you're on Interstate 80. That's the you don't have to ever get off 80. You can go from the George Washington Bridge to the Oakland Bay Bridge and never see anything else. Wow. Okay. Yeah. Have you ever done that? No. Uh, no, no. It's good. Yeah. You could do that I in three so, days no. if you want. <laughs> but, no, so we're driving like for a couple hours, like pretty much all day, and we're tired, and so we could turn off the road, off the interstate, onto a small little dirt road, you know, just to sleep because I had a van okay. that I'd driven out from New York. You know, I was, just, I was doing like a little national tour, like stopping at the Crystal Mines in um, Arkansas. Ooh, this was the summer of the Harmonic Convergence. Did you know about the Harmonic yes. Convergence? Yes. Tell, you, tell us about it. Did you know about I've it? I've heard about it, yes, but tell the audience This was it. the first New Age spiritual holiday of its type. This was supposedly, according to Jose Aguayas, do you know Jose Aguayas? Mm -hmm. He was one of the translators of the Mayan calendar. Jose Aguayas said that on April 16th, no, August, August 16th and 17th, 1987, would not be the end of the Mayan calendar, it would be the end of the nine hells that started the Mayan calendar in 1519 when Cortez invaded. Mm -hmm. Okay. Okay. And so starting there, 1519, it was predicted this white 
God would come. Of course, he wasn't the kind of God that they wanted. It wasn't the kind of person, but it was predicted. And that would start nine 52-year cycles. So nine times 52 takes us to 1987, which would be the end of that cycle. That's when I was born. In 1987, maybe you were delivered. <laughs> so from 87 to 2012 would be these 25 years. And you know, the whole 2012 thing that yes. happened and didn't happen. But anyway, so everyone was gathering. This was before the internet. People were gathering in all the sacred spaces around. There were a lot of people in Sedona. I went to check out, uh, you know, Mount Shasta, uh, Maui, Machu Picchu, um, Ayers Ra, Uluru in Australia, all the sacred sites on the planet. There were people gathering in 1987. You know, Central Park, New York. But I kind of went on a tour like, in July to see where did I want to be on the day that, you know, that kind of transformational day. So I came through Sedona, was where I was in Santa Fe, I ended up living in Santa Fe later. But um, I kept going, and then I decided I'd go back to New York. And, but, you know, so I met this woman, we we're traveling, and she was heading that way. So, um, how do I get to? But before all that happened, that was why I was on this tour of the city, of the country, okay. just to see what was the, like the hot. And Sedona felt really nice. There were great communities. Chaco Canyon felt really amazing. Have you been to Chaco Canyon? No, I'm not yet. That yeah. is we're a sacred. Oh, let me know when yes. you're going. Yes, maybe let's go. Spring. Yeah, let's go. Let's go. Maybe let's go. go. Yes, yeah. I love it. It's That'd a sacred. Fun. It is a sacred space, Chaco Canyon. There's yeah. a great kiva there like yeah. when you step into it you're stepping into another reality definitely mm -hmm. so anyway i was driving but anyway we stopped off going back to my story about the we stopped off we to sleep that night go down this dirt road there's a sign that says enter at your own risk huh oh okay. my goodness <laughs> so maybe it's always good to look for signs <laughs> but we went anyway down that road and I think it was because of the irrigation canals. And it was Western Nebraska. It was like North Platte, Nebraska. I think it was somewhere like Western where Wyoming and Nebraska, before it becomes like the plains, the, the plains of the, the mid, the mid state, the mid, you know, mid, mid America states. Yeah. It's like gets flat after the Rockies. So try the end. So anyway, um, we pulled off and we just got to sleep. We just pass out. We just like are so tired. From drive. So we just... And we remember waking up in the morning as if we didn't move. Wow. I, and who even remembers that you, what position you went to bed in and not moving, right? How do you yeah, even, right. how does it even come into your mind? And I woke up in the morning, you know, I said, did something happen? I go, no, no, I, I just blocked it out. Yeah. I, at the time, I didn't want to go there. Right. Because right. it's like, I, you know, it's like, so, but it did feel weird. And then I get back to New York and my mother, well, I think has, uh, my family has a whole lineage of abductions. Oh, I think, although they would never, my, I think it's on my mother's, my mother and my grandmother. You know, I always go to the story where my mother says when she was a child, she had to live in, in the Southwest during the summer of, of 1947, when the whole Roswell thing, yeah. and they get lost in the mountains. And I think there was some oh, kind of thing that wow. happened there. 
And um, so I think there's lineages and happens in abductions. But anyway, mm -hmm. so there was this mark that was on the back of my knee. I've told this story many times. It's in my book. It was a four-pronged puncture mark, four prongs. Mm -hmm. And I said, oh, that must be a spider bite. Someone said, what's that? I said, it must be a spider bite or something. I, I didn't associate it with the... With yeah. the but then I started to do this video, coincidentally, for this woman who was choreographing her abductions for this performance piece. She was a dancer and she was wanting to choreograph. And she, now I was doing a lot of video production work and editing. So I don't know how she found me, but she, I asked her about the mark and she goes, yeah, that's an abduction mark. And that just freaked me out. <laughs> it did. It did. So how did you find out whether it was one? Well, not? she was actually connected to Bud Hopkins yeah. okay. and yes. Foundation. And I had met Bud and I went to Bud's gatherings and it just seemed like, oh, it was. And they called my girlfriend and said, did anything happen? She goes, yeah, the night we were frozen. <laughs> and she goes, yeah, she remembered. And then she was regressed and said, yeah, there was something that happened with her ankle and my knee and there was like some transfer of DNA thing that was taken and but I still didn't want to be regressed because I wasn't ready but I you know from refusing to like acknowledge that I became like a fanatic yeah I dove as Grant would say I got sucked down the rabbit hole right that was my you know meeting oh you know when I went to Bud Hopkins first group was like a Christmas party there was a feeling of love in the air there it's like it wasn't anything Bud was doing he was a nice guy but but it was something that was opening up and it's not say say but it was yeah. more like love and they're not in the 80s about love. So I didn't really know what was happening until recently, actually, that really I got regressed towards the abduction because, oh, wow. But what it did do was get me on the path of mm -hmm. initiation in a way mm -hmm. to uh, finding, meeting all, that's how I wrote this book because I met all the great people in the field and I put them in this book. Linda Moulton Howe and John Mack, who I did meet at the time. Great guy, very smart. Uh, Whitley Strieber, uh, Grant, Nick Pope, they're all in this book. And um, so I, be, I wanted to know everything there was, you know, I mean, my library in my apartment in New York, I must have 500 UFO books there. Oh, that's great. Yeah, so I mean, and other books, spiritual books and art books and history, but so I just wanted to know everything there was about it, go to all the conferences, that's how I ended up being an MC. Yeah. Um, contact in the desert, all these different conferences from really 87 till now, I'm still obsessed with it. Yeah. Like what happened? What's going on? One thing I heard that actually Linda Moulton Howe talked about was when, um, who was the guy who went to Area 51? John? Say that, sorry. The guy, the guy from Area 51, he kind of exposed Area 51. What was his name? Uh, not Bob Lazar, you're talking about. Yeah, Bob Lazar. Bob Lazar, yes. Lazar. okay. Bob Lazar talked about an experiment he saw at Area 51 where a candle was burning and it just was frozen. It just stopped. It was, it, it was burning but frozen in time. And I think that technology was used on me and my girlfriend were sleeping, were frozen time and taken out of one time flow and genetically kind of um, extracted some of our genes and a hybrid was created that, um, that actually I was presented with a year later. Really? Being woken up in the middle of the night. This was the weirdest thing that 
you know, you might think you're having a dream, but they woke me up. And this happened, I read from other abductions, I think, by tickling me. I kind of woke up in this dream state. I've only really seen ETs in this dream state. And this little being was placed in my hands with these big black eyes, but it didn't look human. It didn't look human. And I could not, I couldn't connect. I said, this is weird. What is this? Why am I holding this little animal? I said, so I couldn't connect there. It was not that connected. I mean, there's people who get presented with their ET offspring and say, oh, that's so sweet. You know, I didn't actually want to because not, I don't know what my thoughts are. Well, you're just not ready. Like, I think everybody just has their, your own sense of ready. I don't know. Was I, I don't know. I, Maybe the timing or something. I think, I think there's just, something about you're ready when you're ready. Timing just being right. Like I've been yeah. shared with Sinead, you know, mm. I desire yes. having conscious contact with them. I want to see them right in front of me, standing right in front of me. But I also yeah. know I might be kind of scared when that happens, right? That might be too much right now. I don't know. Well, I do have a whole theory about when they show up, why it is too yeah. much because they're vibrating yeah. at a different yeah. frequency. Yeah. yeah. I and think that's also why we, a lot of us are being called to these sorts of places. Yes, to, to raise our, our frequency. That's what actually I'm going to talk about at my um, talk this weekend about right. how we need to resonate at a higher frequency so we can interchange with these beings, yes. but they're not at our frequency yes. because when they do show up in their frequency, it's powerful. It actually is so much for people that it's a distortion of our field. Yeah. It, I mean, this is my experience. Other people, maybe they're more well-adjusted. That's my experience also. Yeah. It's too much. They're frequent. Even Daryl, who's been he channeling, that, yeah. in my book, he says, when he started in the stream, say, to meet Bashar, he panicked because his <laughs> whole sense of identity yeah. was being ripped away from him. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And that's a key that we have to really understand, like how the false sense of personality can be in the presence of that. Mm -hmm. I mean, you could try to hold on to it, but if you hold on to that, that's the trauma because the trauma is to the personality. And we all think we're these personalities. This is your history and you're this person. So when you can let that go, and be more like zen yes yeah then yeah. get the ego out of the way <laughs> then you can meet these beings yeah. on a much yeah. level playing field and you know absorb their frequency yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah so that's why i wasn't ready i think to meet or even be regressed to that place where i can meet them but because i don't think they exist in this reality they come in and out of this reality, of course, there's physical traces and marks, but their, their whole um, plane of existence is in a different realm. And, and that's why some people say they might not actually be alien. They might not be from anywhere else. They might actually just be from here. Yeah, I do find that interesting, you know, that our perception may be playing a part on how they are appearing to Definitely. us. Like, like some people, there's this theory that some people experience you know, ETs, and I'm using quotations uh, because I'm referring to this as a kind of blanket term, you know, not necessarily as being beings from other planets, but just the ET idea can be expanded for, for this theory, right? That that ETs, extraterrestrials, beings that are just not 
earthly, I guess is one way of putting it. Angelic. Uh, that they, uh, that yeah. they show up as angels, mm. as Why? as aliens, as you know, different things. As military ops, right? But what are they? I don't think we know in the human level. I think if we ascend to that level, we will know more. We could call them angels or extraterrestrials or interdimensional or ultra celestials. Mm -hmm. We can call them a million things, but doesn't mean that anything really. No, it doesn't. I agree. I think yeah. we both agree. I do think I do think they are physical beings, mm -hmm. and I do think I think there's just different levels of physicality. You know, there's different vibration levels, yes. right? Frequency levels yes, that we're all operating at, and so that's why we we can't see some of them, but to them they're physical, and they can see their physical yes, reality. Yes, you're right. right. It is like that. Yeah. So it's a little mind bending. <laughs> no, it, it's total mind bending. But we have to bend our mind in order to make yeah. contact with yeah. that because they're not going. That's why they appear in dream states yeah. and altered states. Yeah. Uh, but they don't, if they were to show up right here, right now, it would actually alter our consciousness. Yeah, it would be so shocking it in, to our nervous system. Even, even people who have worked on nervous system regulation, like there is still from what we hear, a level of shock that just occurs in that moment that you just have to adjust to. It's like yeah. you just have to recalibrate. It's vibrational. And, yeah. you know, I talked to Whitley Strieber, who I think is probably the most practiced contactee out there. Mm -hmm. Whitley has probably had more conscious contact than anyone mm -hmm. I've met. Wow. I mean, there's the starseed people and all that, but that starseed contact's happening in a non-physical way, yeah. right? yeah. And maybe it's physical to some people, I don't know. But the people who've had, you know, one-on-one -on -one, face to face, yeah. there's a practice of lucidity. Yeah. yeah. You have yeah. to practice all good things. I've been practicing that because I want to see it? them. You know, I, I do a ton of meditation. I've been doing a lot more lucid dreaming oh, um, because good. that can help you bridge, right? That less yes. conscious and conscious lucidity is the key how do you practice lucid dreaming oh well there's a number of ways and i'm not you know the most studied on it but you know when you are in that in-between state when you're in that sleepy state before waking up right when you're remembering the dream mm -hmm. right the goal is to stay in that state not wake up not you know move exactly to be in that alternate state that's, that's how they appear state. yeah you could then call them in in that state i did see them one day in sedona doing that and um, saw their faces right before i woke up what yeah. did they look like it was the man so my star thing um, that i'm connected with are the mantis beings oh how are the mantis beings doing they're great. <laughs> well, I heard they're very nice. They I are, haven't met them myself. But. Well, they're you know they're they're funny. They they're highly you know like spiritual in nature and very much about you know interconnectedness and you know they're followers of cosmic law. Oh, okay. So, yeah, and they that. um and so so a lot of what you know I teach on Star Family Wisdom, which is spiritual law, cosmic law, manifestation stuff, mm -hmm. is partially channeled from the oh you're channeling the mantis being oh we yeah. gotta do a show about that. <laughs> i've always wanted to talk to the mantis yeah yeah i i don't get i do not channel them like through me in public settings like this um but, but it's when i'm i could i could probably try it's when i'm Actually, it does happen at times, you know, when we're like in an interview setting or that mm -hmm. sort of thing. There are times when there is kind of a channeling process that takes over and 
when I'm writing and oh, they come writing through there. courses, boom, it oh. just comes out of me. Yeah. There's that guy Simon Parks who was doing a lot of mantis. Yeah. Did you know Simon? Uh -uh. No, have you heard of Simon Parks? Simon Parks. Yes. He was doing mantis yeah. channeling, I guess. Or cool. Something. But anyway, back to the story that. Back to you. Back to me. <laughs> not about you. No, back to me. No, I'm kidding. Because I, I did want to hear the story. Okay. But um, let's see. Oh, so I, it took me a long time to actually want to get regressed. And it was only until I met, um, what was his name? Um, I went to the citizens hearings for UFO disclosure in Washington, uh -huh. which was phenomenal. Five days of, of expert testimony. Grant was there. Or something else. 2001, right? No, that was the Stephen Greer thing. The 2013 that Stephen Bassett put uh, okay. at the um, National Press Club right. yes. in front of former okay. members of Congress. That um, then there were forty witnesses, including Linda Mulvaney, who Stephen Greer was there, and um, there were lots of people there from you know yeah. pilots. But anyway, um, what was his name? The guy who tested who was at the Rendlesham Forest. Do you know the Rendlesham Forest? Yes, right? that's an amazing story. That is nineteen eighty Rendlesham Forest. Um, there's a, uh, a a joint U.S. and British Air Force base there. Woodridge and Eastgate, somewhere in the forest in, in England, and this craft lands, mm -hmm. and the American forces go over to investigate, and this guy, oh, what's Pendon? Pendon? Pennison? Pennison. What's his first name? Pennison. Pennison's his last name. Okay, okay. He touches, right now. He touches the craft, and he loses 45 minutes or something of his consciousness, but then he, then like, Sometime later, he just writes these zero and one codes in a book. He doesn't know what it means. Oh, yes, I heard about that. And then yes. it's translated to be all these power spots around the planet, the Pendison codes. It's incredible. Yes. So it, and Sedona is one of those spots, those powers. And he didn't know what he's writing, zeros and ones, you know? So um, I, he's speaking at these hearings, him and these other people. I think John Burroughs is also part of the Rendlesham Forest thing. Yeah. And, um, He's speaking, and I meet him afterwards and said, well, what was that like? How are you doing now? This is 1980. And he says to me, ever since then, he's needed a sedative to go to sleep because he was so freaked wow. out. And, you know, these are military people. And um, so I said, wow, 1980, this guy is still taking, I don't want to do that. And of course, I never took a sedative, but it's, he didn't want to know what happened. So that sort of inspired me. Oh, well, what really did happen right. to me? So it wasn't until like 2015 or something oh, that, wow. like, that I actually went to a hypnotherapist and was regressed back to that night. And, you know, I had called this girl we were traveling. I hadn't seen her for many, many years. We haven't even talked in a long time. We were always on good terms, but, you know. How that goes. Yeah. But I did call her like before the regression. I said, Oh, you remember that night we were driving cross country? And she says, like, what is that, 35 years later? You mean the night we were frozen? She remembered it immediately. Wow. And I remembered it immediately. It wasn't like we were frozen, but we were suspended in time. That's what it felt okay. like. So that's the focus of this regression. So I go back I, in this regression to that moment. And you know, people talk about being regressed and memory and remembering things, but 
you don't quite remember something that's been traumatized because you never experienced it to begin with. Like mm -hmm. I've been studying a lot of trauma where trauma is when a part of the personality splits off. And so the person experiencing the traumatic event is not really present. There's no memory there. So the memories in, in regression for me are not actually memories because it never happened. I mean, I don't know if I'm explaining. It's, but they- Impressions? They're, they're coming from somewhere. Okay. I didn't feel like I was making it up. And someone explained this, someone who was on one of the Whitney shows, explained that. Yeah, it's from this altar. It's, it's like remote viewing. Did you ever remote view? You get these impressions and it is your right brain telling you what what you're seeing, but the left brain says, no, it couldn't be. Yeah. So that's what happens in regressions, you know? You're accessing, because you're, your subconscious mind remembers everything, every little minute, mm -hmm. actually, of every lifetime you've ever had is recorded in your Akashic records yeah. on a soul level. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So I was regressed back to that right brain awareness and saw the light and sort of started remembering the doors open to the back of the van, these beings come in, kind of floated out, and it started to sort of tune into what happened, which was not so bad. It was not as the idea of it. It was worse than the, yes. the anticipation of yeah. it. That makes a lot of sense. And I mean the anticipation, the idea that there's sort of a tension between mm -hmm. discovering it and knowing it had happened. Well, I would describe it as the idea that you are not in full control of your reality. Yeah. That is the trauma in a way. That you're frozen, you can't move, and and we're, we're actually in that regression, we're lifted out. And I don't remember that much. I need to go back and do more. But something happened. I saw these beings that looked like, actually, the only thing, and this is why I'm obsessed with Kamara Jones's work. You know Kamara Jones? Yeah. Uh, ish. The artist. The artist. When I saw the work, that's what the being, just eyes. There's no other facial features. This is what I remember in the regression. It was just a big head and eyes. big eyes, but nothing else. Oh. And these kind of, um, not quite non-physical bodies, light bodies, but they weren't quite physical bodies. And there was a tall one that was more like in charge, but it was, they were very nice. It's just and this is so important, I think. It's just such an altered state. I mean, people do drugs have altered states and they're good. Some people freak out because it's altered state. But the altered states of being in the presence of these beings is not like any ayahuasca trip you've ever taken. <laughs> no, serious, because I did ayahuasca. It's it was, a trip, though. <laughs> it is a trip. It's a trip that's so intense because of the vibrational fields, yeah. being part of it, that you need to practice lucid. Yeah. awareness that is the key yeah. to making contact yeah. that's the moral of my book sort of no it's part of it but so in this hypnotic regression i'm a little more lucid yeah. to make contact mm -hmm. and um somehow it, i think and i don't know i might be making this up but it somehow was part those beings were part of the the beings I met in between lifetimes from my last lifetime to this. And so oh. I think as a star seed, if I can call myself that, it's a little obnoxious to say that. But <laughs> <laughs> that's, a, that's a term that works. It helps us understand. I don't know what that means. Yeah. I think yeah. I came in as a 
representative. Yeah. Right? Okay. Yeah. So like, I like to use the term ambassador. I think. Okay. I think that's We're what a ambassador. lot of us are. Yeah. So I think I, I was always that being, yeah. you know, like the wanting to be an astronaut and actually being I, like when I was growing up, I always wondered what the stars were. I actually, 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 you see my book there, I think in the opening page of my chapter, it shows, it tells you my, it's here. Your here. first chapter? Here, no, I'll show In this, here, you can read this if you want. Sure. Because I explain why, um, how I got to where I am, you know, um, you know, it's like, it just sort of was always with me, this idea being from somewhere else and um, here. Oh, just just read that one here. Okay. I have always been a person of wonder and imagination. As a child, I looked up at the stars and just knew they must be the porch lights of other people's homes, just like the lights in the distance I saw riding on the back of my father's car at night as we approached our neighborhood after holiday visits. I love that. The stars fascinated me because they seemed so odd to be just hanging there in the night sky. Yet when I asked the grown-ups about them, no one seemed interested. They just nodded in my direction, semi-amused with my fascination. I can relate to that. But I wanted to know what made, what made these points of white specks twinkle out of the unfathomable blackness that held them in place. I wrote a poem called Stars for the elementary school paper about the light of those distant suns. My parents said, isn't that nice? <laughs> but no one knew what I meant so nice. I didn't know what I meant either, but I was compelled to call out to our neighbors in the infinite blackness to say, I see you, I know you are out there. Thanks for keeping your light on so that we know that you are home. None of this seemed to matter to anyone. No one I, I knew ever looked up to wonder what was out there. I can relate to that too. I think Johnny can too. They kept their head to the ground, occupied with the toils of the everyday world, doing what they had to do to get by. Exactly. I yeah. was not part of that group. Yeah. Yeah. It's hard to relate. Right? Mm, it is. Yeah. You have that sense of, mm -hmm. gosh, like there's something else. Like this can't be it. Right? Mm -hmm. Exactly. Did you always feel that way? Always. Even in the corporate world? Yeah. Yeah, you know, I, I I got really busy during those years, so didn't have a ton of time to think about that. But yeah, like always, but how did you of, work in the corporate world while that other thing was going on for you? Well, you know, a lot of it was not that obvious to me for a long time. Like uh, I always had, you know, some like future sight and precognition and that sort of stuff right. going on, but it just it was very integrated in a way that it just wasn't super obvious mm -hmm. until it started becoming obvious until it started to show up in a bigger way in my life right. in the last five years right so and then i started realizing like, you know but isn't it amazing you always were that yeah yeah i mean just always imagine. Felt a little different yeah me too yeah. did you oh yeah i felt i had a I've told Jenna this a lot. I've had a very hard time understanding a lot of human behavior. Oh, I found a lot of yeah. human behavior very confusing and distressing, and I couldn't really make yeah. sense of why people yeah. said and did certain things to each other. And, yeah. you know, like, it I was still painful, don't understand right? it. And so I really don't understand that. But I, going back to you, though, because mm -hmm. um, this interview is about you. Okay. <laughs> um, my question is really that. You know, you have done so much research and listening and learning from others, and you reference at the beginning of your book these giants whose shoulders yes, you've done to stand on. Definitely. But 
in your own personal experience, mm-hmm. what have what what have you learned from ETs? What is it that you feel like they have given you mm-hmm. in, ter- in this lifetime to use? That's a really good question. I would say learn from. I mean, I think we are them. Mm-hmm. So I'm what I. I guess learned or gathered in relationship to that. Yes. Whatever these things are, even maybe they're not ET. Yes. Is vibration our key? Energies are key, and in, in in understanding who we are. And it goes back to when I met Rampa in 1987 or 1981. That was an energy initiation. Mm-hmm. So we are energies. We are frequency. We are vibration. All, we are that. I mean, mm-hmm. I'm seeing you and you're in those containers, but the container is pure energy. That's mm-hmm. what's animating you. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if I learned that from them, but they... Emphasize it for you? Or no, the process it? of understanding what is going on, you know, it's always a 90 degree turn. You know that yeah. thing, that Buckman circle is that you think you're going for one thing, but there's this other 90 degree yeah. that like you actually are learning about so in trying to understand the phenomena Mm -hmm. the whole idea of what is really going on with all of existence right right because those are just beings whatever they're trying Mm -hmm. to understand their yeah lives and and reality and so and maybe they are teachers yeah but maybe there's teachers right here and maybe um so i wouldn't say i got like sat down and learned anything except became the mm-hmm. learning. Okay. Yeah, okay. became it. It's like I was talking to Geraldine about this actually. And I said, you know, we have memories and experiences that we not just uh, remember the frequencies, we become encoded with the frequencies. Yeah, yeah. So these ETs are encoding us with new frequencies because we are that we're we are not separate. Mm-hmm. We are not, I say this in the book, from planet Earth. We are all made of stars. I mean, that, that is... But when saying also consciousness. Yeah, consciousness. Yes. Yeah. The consciousness that we are and thinking of did not evolve from the primates. Yes. Mm-hmm. It was implanted into these animal bodies. Mm-hmm. These are animals. We're living inside an animal. Right. And sometimes it's obvious. <laughs> <laughs> but, you know, but we're not the evolved aspect. I mean, look what humans do. They decorate their place. They make recordings they do this is not like any earth animal right. there's something we are extraterrestrial intelligence we really really are the human body is the most like powerful piece of technology on the planet basically. yes besides <laughs> dolphins maybe. but that's another story that's, yeah, that's, different. that's a different talk <laughs> but dolphins are much more multi-dimensional yes. than humans because they think with both sides of their brain they, they never are unconscious dolphins yeah mm-hmm. anyway but uh and they make four sounds at a time they are languages they also have to breathe consciously they that's right unconsciously like that. i was working for john Lilly doing a video he would anesthetize dolphins that they would drown right because they are conscious breathers yeah on the left or right side of their brain. But anyway, we, what we think we are, these personalities and these histories and these relationships and these families, all that, that's the programming. Those things happen and they're great, Mm -hmm. but we are the extraterrestrial consciousness inhabiting, this is my belief, these 
animal forms, flesh and meat, but um, in order to have an experience. Earth school. Earth school, but it's a great school because right. it, it, there's everything happening here. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It's so diverse. Yeah. You know, it's such a, such a big schoolhouse. You know, you go from kindergarten to, to post-grad right here in consciousness. You yes. Know? The people just starting out that just yeah. know. Doesn't mean they've had like more or less lifetimes. I think it's like, I think we all, in my spiritual belief, that we're all in, we all were infused with spirit at the beginning of creation mm -hmm. as fractals of the infinite mind, let's say. But how many lifetimes have you chose to have? How much, how much has your soul recorded of wisdom from experience? So this is why I think it's important we have this conversation because what is happening now with the star seed and star family is that there's a new encoding of frequency yeah. within the human species yeah. that is shifting its vibrational mm -hmm. um, yeah. tendency. And that's what you're yeah. creating in the school that you're creating. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. That's what we're doing with this conversation. It's yes. Like yes. We are in the process of evolving and, yes. and, and activating, you know, new parts of our brain and activating, you know, dormant DNA as, as yeah. we do this work. And yes. that, ultimately should evolve us into a higher version of humans. It's interesting mm -hmm. to me that we, you know, the way we talk about evolution, you know, I've discussed this, the way we talk about evolution in the 3D, on the 3D level, it's as if evolution's happened, you know, right. like it's in the past and that it's over mm -hmm. and now we've got everything and we're just fully evolved. And I don't understand that. I've never understood that. Like how is it not always a forward journey? It's always a forward right? journey, but as far as biological evolution, do you know, like, like you know, yes. 1,000? Yes. I mean, that exists, but yeah, I think it exists only at certain moments in history. Where, and I think it's like how one species becomes another species. There's nobody knows that. Yeah. Mm -hmm. No one knows how a dog separated from a cat because they don't look at the big cosmic environment. Right. I right. think my theory of evolution is things evolve what they call punctuated um, evolution, they, it spurts, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that happens from cosmic input, cosmic radiation. Mm -hmm. And there's like, you know, mass solar injections that modifies the mm -hmm. DNA. So the species that can shift its DNA to like, you know, your children be a different species if it's modified on the DNA level. Right. So right. what came first, the chicken or the egg, that's like thing. But so I think that we're at another point of speciesization. I agree. There's right. like a level of complexity that is growing. Yes, complexity is key. Yes, you're right. Yeah. It is complexity. So, yeah. and complexity happens when old systems can handle the energy this is systems theory, complexity, chaos theory, in order for them to, they either collapse under the stress of a more complex system yes. or they expand. Expand, yes, yes. yes. a new level of complexity. Yes. Yeah. We're at that, we're at that, that's we're a that, good point. Exactly, yeah. Yeah. yeah, exactly. We know that the physical, you know, inherently, this is just my personal opinion, I think inherently the physical only has so much value, right? Like we are consciousness, but, mm -hmm. It is a valuable tool. There's a reason why I'm in this body mm -hmm. at this time in this place. And that, you know, we know that by, by treating our physicality a certain way, like health and wellness, um, that our consciousness 
can change in symbiosis with yeah. that, you know, like yeah. we treat our bodies terribly. We only eat junk food and we drink, mm-hmm. you know, plastic water and stuff. Our consciousness right. is not going to be able to function at the level that we're able to. We're going to limit, we're gonna limit yeah. our ability to That's expand. Right. But the other thing I think about these bodies is that they're also, in, uh, they're also spirit. Yeah. And, and the ascension wave is to transmute the body into spirit. Yes. That's the alchemy. To become more and more and more light. Yes. That's right. To actually physically become light, to yes. activate the biophotonic nature mm-hmm. of that cellular structure into a light beam. Yeah. Yeah. That's and what I think this session. It's also fascinating how many experiencers it kind of have a sense they get a taste of that you know like their psychic abilities suddenly become enhanced or their intuitive abilities become enhanced their ability to smell taste see becomes enhanced yes. right because yes. of contact experience with whatever it might be exactly yeah that's that's do you think that's happened for you in like your career right like your your career really took off yeah. after the contact right like you i think you're yeah i didn't think of it that way but so yeah maybe there was but, some but you know I think, that happens. let me see my career I don't know well because you became that much more committed I guess I let me I, no I, I, I just want to integrate what you're asking there so let me see yeah I had the contact experience even though I had like child and then yeah something did ignite with a mission uh-huh. so then uh-huh. meeting Bud Hopkins and uh-huh. meeting John Mack uh-huh. and Whitney Strieber <laughs> yeah I I never thought of it as a career, though. That was the difference right. between you said career kind of through I thought of it as an, a greater exploration of the mysteries. Yeah, yeah. Of like, you know, so again, I reference Grant because I know you worked with him and he always said, this is the Super Bowl of all mysteries. Yeah. So, <laughs> you know, because, you know, and I talked to people like Linda Moulton Howe and it's like, she's been on this for 40 something years yeah. and she says, this is like a 16-layer chess game. No one has this mm-hmm. figured out. So I figured if you're going to devote your time to understanding not the past but the future and you're trying to formulate an intellectual understanding that's beyond the intellect, how do we make sense of something that doesn't make sense? So I think the biggest kind of intellectual challenge is to put this in a perspective this phenomenon that still doesn't have all the answers. We don't really have any idea what's going on. But in a way that starts to integrate mm, the process of making contact with the bigger public that can then embrace it on whatever level they're at. So that's why I have so many different essays and because everyone, (laughs) but there's 12 different essays and everyone is meeting it where they're at yeah. so in a way it's a primer but in another way it's um you know process it's a journey yeah it's mm-hmm. like a movement yeah. and i love that you're emphasizing that nobody has the answers i really like that a lot well because who has the answers <laughs> people say that they do oh name right? me one well one. some people <laughs> say you know present themselves there is one guy out there who says he has the answer well not even in ufology like just in a sort of general spiritual sphere mm-hmm. right like i feel like we need to have an attitude of discernment and we have to make sure of that, course there are right? some like, answers it's very easy for people to be like okay now i know well, I know. Well, Rumi says, when, "Run away from people who have the answers yes, and run exactly. to people exactly. who are still asking the questions." Yes, yes. Because no, I could. 
fundamentally say there's not one human being that I've met and probably I've heard that knows what the phenomenon oh, is all not. about. Of course and not. that's what makes it such an interesting career, yeah. as you would say, yeah. to pursue it's, because, yeah. because it's, 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 it's not, it doesn't have a, an answer yet. And, and it, there's no ending, really, there's right? No ending. It's like, it's, it's, we're just on this eternal, eternal journey yes. to figure this out. Maybe there is an ending point. Maybe there is well, a... Do you think, well, know. maybe open contact would be one type of ending point. Do you think that's going to happen in our lifetimes? I think it's happening in some levels. I think it's happening to some people. Yeah. I think it, uh, open I mean, where like ships coming down, landing, and I saying, think that has here we are. are. <laughs> well, it happened in, was it 1997 at the Aero School in uh, Rodinia, yeah. you know? Yeah. Here we are, save your planet. So, John Matt yep. yeah. investigated that. And so did J.J. Hurtock. He actually was there, too. And, oh, I didn't realize that. Yes. And so, um, I don't know. Is it, it, I, th I think, you know, will we, you're asking, solve the mysteries of, Creation? No, I didn't. I think that's, <laughs> the, that's the question. No, I'm not saying you have the answer. I'm just saying, will we? Because I mean, I maybe they know. I mean, I don't think they know. So We're they part of the more. mystery. Yeah, we are the mystery. Yes, yes. And we're the excitement behind the mystery. Yes, yes. So there is no answer. Yeah, and I think all three of us share, you know, the excitement yeah. mm -hmm. and all of the potential that yeah. exists and existing in the I don't know mm -hmm. when existing yes. in a place of. I don't know what I'm learning and I'm growing and I'm on this continuous, eternal, yes. ongoing journey. Yes. I love that it. to me is what makes it so exciting because it gives it so much potential, right? If you say you know, then you're limiting your ability to learn. I love that you said potential because I think, yeah, that place of not knowing, that place of being okay with not mm -hmm. having the answers, accepting mm -hmm. just what is, mm -hmm. allows you to access all the, those potentialities. That's right. Yeah. It's like that uncertainty principle, everything is in... And flow. Yeah. Yeah. And that's why you know the government has not come out and said, I mean, one of the reasons is why they're hiding the secret, because they don't know what to say. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They don't know it's what it's confusing. Even, yeah. Even Elizondo, really at the cutting edge of disclosure, I don't think he knows what to make of this. He really that's what Danny Sheehan has been saying. Yeah. yeah. Well, Danny especially doesn't know what to make. Nobody yeah. knows what to make of this and I think that's fascinating that's why Grant calls it the Super Bowl of all stories because if you can solve it or like put have a piece of the puzzle or or integrate one part and we're trying to do this which is great because we're and this is why disclosure has to happen because mm -hmm. when it has to maybe you put all the pieces on the table mm -hmm. let's see what we make of it right. all yes. like collectively right. together collectively yeah. yes because yeah. it is a collective experience yes. Yes. yes yes you know and bruce lipton says a really good i quote him from an interview i did with him in this book can you read this part too this one my favorite yeah. part right. Yeah. It's, it's here in the epilogue. So you read the whole book, the introduction, you get to the epilogue, and the epilogue is kind of sums up here um, with this quote from, from Bruce Lipton that says, oh, you talk about evolution here. This part is starting at the bottom. Do you okay. like to read? What do you want to read? So, I'm sure I read the paragraph. No, before. just read that Just part. that? The next level of evolution. This is Bruce Lipton talking to me in an interview. I say, well, where are we going? And he says, 
okay, in 1999, the next level of evolution for us is to recognize that we are all cells in a larger community coming together to share awareness in order to create one living organism that would be called humanity. That's beautiful. We are not humans until we create humanity. This is when we all recognize that we're all cells in the same living organism and work in a coherent fashion. Then humanity is complete. When humanity is complete, the earth as an organism completes its evolution and becomes a living, breathing, pulsing Gaia. When we come together in a unity with a voice that will allow us to speak as one, this will allow us to speak with the other ones. Ta-da. Oh my that God. Is well said. That good? Oh my gosh. I don't think he even knew what he was saying back. I mean, that that he that he was yeah. talking to like the the one. So we are that we're just like a little cell. Mm-hmm of consciousness and a bigger body, like your skin cell, does it know what you're thinking now? Yes. No, I mean, maybe. I mean, no. <laughs> maybe, maybe yours does. But there's a fractal nature to ourselves. Yeah. So yeah. it's like, how do all the cells of our body come together to create this focus moment that we're calling now? How does that happen? There's mm-hmm. so, I mean, so if we're all cells in a bigger organism that is a super organism of a super consciousness, yeah. we're just part of that. Yeah. And so we that, might, that humbles you. Yes. Fast. But yeah, yes, it humbles you, but it also um, realizes that, yeah, we're part of something bigger, but there's also the fractal nature where the part is the whole. Yeah. Mm-hmm. You yeah. Know? I think of a grain of sand on a beach. Mm-hmm. That image comes to me in the same kind of way. Like the beach cannot exist without every grain of sand being there. To Except make- the ones I bring home to my uh, <laughs> after a nice day at the beach. But yeah. But you know what I mean? Like it's the same sort of idea, yeah. you know, that we and and on the cellular level, Jenna talks a lot about health and wellness and you know from her background of Whole Foods. Um, that we need to nourish all of ourselves. We need to nourish our energy field. We need to nourish our little cells right there in yeah. these little bodies because we're part, yeah. maybe, I think, of a bigger organism. So. And when you find your highest excitement, you are doing the job that, of that bigger organism. You're yes. doing that incarnational yes. job. Yes. Right? That's what we so, feel we're doing. And mm-hmm. I know you feel the same way. Right? Well, that's that's the Super Bowl, right? We're in the Super Bowl. <laughs> yes, we're in the Super Bowl. We it's are exciting. in the Super Bowl. Yeah. Well, really, yeah, when yeah. you're like being a, a team player and then you're in the Super Bowl, like what else is there to do? But it's all self-chosen. Anyone can be in the Super Bowl. It's up to you. <laughs> yes. Join, yes. what do you call your organization? Star Family Wisdom. Join. <laughs> be part of the Star Family Wisdom. And join the Super Bowl. Yes, yes, yes. yes. This is a, this is all an effort for us all to find our part in that whole, right? Well, you and found it, though. Together, right? I think just being together, yeah. it's like it's unfolding yeah. the parts. Yeah. It's like, so, yeah, it's like we are the drop in the ocean yeah. and the ocean in the drop. Yes, That's yes, the major. Rumi said that. There's a Rumi quote that I love that basically says that we are we are the ocean in a drop. Yes. We are. And that it's obviously made you such a joyful person. Like maybe you're always like this, but I, I feel so. like it brings a lot of joy to your life. Well, it's joyful because it's exciting. Yeah. And because there's it's exciting because there's no answer. No one has the answer. It's like so no one you can everyone has a piece. That's why I, I put these people in the book, because all these people 
have a beautiful piece mm -hmm. and you put them all together, you get a mosaic and maybe you get an image of like the mosaic if you squint a little bit and it's like, okay, that's the mosaic. Yeah, we're starting to see the, the yes. puzzle come together. Yes, yeah. yes. And stuff that happens to you, that's your answer when you connect it to the star family. So yeah. it's like offering a piece of the puzzle. You know, we're talking about so many different aspects of this experience. You know, we're talking about the biological kind of fear response and oh, the, the, yeah, uh, yes. like the difficulty that the brain, the human brain yes, has to, to like actually see what's occurring and digest it, right? That's very hard to do. And mm -hmm. then also the expansiveness that it's brought to your life, our life, yes. and you know, how it's changed mindset and perspective and understanding that is so far outside of the limitations of what we are fed, you know? Right, that's so, why I call it preparing for the, the subtitle, right? Preparing for the new realities. Because mm -hmm. the preparation is just having the discussion, just yeah. bringing up the topics, just looking at it yeah. and seeing, because you're right, there is fear when you meet the unknown. It's like, how do you deal with something that you yeah. never even yeah. cognized yeah. before. Yeah, that's you know. big. That's a big expansion. It's to go huge. Yeah. Like, cognition and recognition is something yeah. I talk about a lot. Yeah. yeah. I think like what ad what advice do you have for mm -hmm. people who are in that stage where it's like all stuff. of a sudden telepathic <laughs> connection, all of a sudden, you know, your mind is expanding and there's this cognitive dissonance. Right. Like, how would, is this possible? Yeah, I would say the best thing is to go into the confusion into the car let it but you know know that you're safe let it kind of sweep through you and let go of identities and holding on and just float you uh, know yeah there's that story i think it's someone in one of the jonathan livingston seagull these little creatures on this um in this river and this one creature's floating down the river and they said, wow, you're really flying. How did you do that? And he's saying to the other creatures, just let go. Just mm -hmm. so, oh, no, we can't let go. And he says, no, just let go. <laughs> so let go, just let go of whatever you think you are and, and whatever you think you think and whatever you think you know. And float in the, you know, cognitive dissonance yeah. because it's like, you know, those magic eye things that yes. you used to look at there. Yes. There's a place where everything just blurs until it comes back into focus. Oh, that's yeah. such a good example. Right? Yes. Yes. So it's like you have to go into the um, unformed. Yes. Be the unformed. This is what another teacher I had, Paul Lowe, used to say. Be unformed. Disconnect from the reality. And stay there as long as you can in the unformed, in the uncertain, in the unknowing, cloud of unknowing, the book by Alan Watts. Stay in the unknowing until you naturally come back into form. Yeah. Because it will be formed. But the longer you can say unknown, unknowing, unknown, uncertain, the more grounded the knowing will be way because you rush into it too quick you're like the you know butterfly trying to rush out of the cocoon you're, mm -hmm. you, you don't really fly but if you can stay in the cocoon of unknowing cognitive distance surrender not, surrender yes um then if you can trust that and you can trust that and then the the new being the butterfly the creation will emerge mm -hmm. 
and it has for you, right? You stayed in the unformed. Yeah. I'm not sure your whole yeah, story. She but, did too. Yeah. yeah. But you yeah. let yourself be on. You, you wanted to hang, you wanted to attach to things, and yeah. it's like nothing until you arrive in yeah. paradise right here. You, know? <laughs> you have right. to surrender. Like it really is such a valuable part of the journey. Right. But you trust it, right? Yes. Yeah. Yes. But but there were many moments of, of, of wondering, right? Gosh, am I. Should I trust in this? Yeah, right? But look right. what happened when you did, but right? When you do, yeah. The left way is like, but the bills and the on. Oh, yeah, right. This, but know? when you do trust in the, so maybe there are T's, maybe they're not. But if you are needing the other, it's okay. Let yourself dissolve into otherness. Yes, yes. I love that. So that's. Yes. I mean, I'm only saying that because. Parts of that happened to me. You know, we're all in the process yeah. of the hero's journey. That's oh, it reminds me of what you said earlier, you know, love the skin condition. Like, have you loved it? That's like, it. Walk towards it. Need it. Don't walk away from it. Don't, don't run from it. Don't go for fear, right? Yeah. yeah. There's that, um, you know, the uh, letters to a young poet by Rilke? Mm -hmm. He says, maybe all your monsters were really princesses in disguise mm. you know waiting to be met yeah mm -hmm. yeah so i think that if we go and so these ets yeah maybe they're scary because they exist in a different reality but if we can meet them without mm, without being overwhelmed completely stay like a little present but in the unknowing then there's the evolution yes that's the vibrational evolution yeah. of initiation yeah and that that's what we're here to bring in that's what i think your channeling can bring in i think so i think so yeah. i think we're ready for you I think, <laughs> oh i think our community is ready for you i'm so excited right. to to have done this and to oh, really? introduce you to to everyone oh well thank you but you know i'm not saying i know anything <laughs> because i don't i'm only like telling you my experiences yes. uh, my yes. adventures of on the road to find out yes you know and I think that's yeah, so the beautiful of the ladder. Yeah. You're willing to do that because I think it's through how we share our personal experiences that we we see ourselves and others. We start to right. see there's more connection than we even realize. Right. And if I say, oh, I know what it's all about, I I then limit, yeah, I feel uh, uh, more pieces of the puzzle. So maybe when all the pieces of the puzzle are on the table, I can maybe say, oh yeah, this is what, but but we're we're far from that. Mm -hmm. We're, you know, quite a ways from yeah. all those elements and those beings and those interdimensions and those higher consciousnesses and channeling and downloads and the uploads. We're far from that. Mm -hmm. Agreed. So. Agreed. Yeah. And I think, you know, this is uh, where I want to give you some kudos as well, now that we're wrapping up. Okay. You are someone who really brings people together, right? Okay. You are bringing people together in community in so many different ways. Okay. Yeah. You, well, of course, new reality. It's not my intention to bring people. It's just what I do. It's so just, not yeah. like I'm saying, oh, I'm going to bring people together. I'm like it just happens. It yes, just happens. It just happens. You are doing that. Yes. You are doing that, yes. whether you intend to or not. I love doing it. I, yeah, I, I mean, I know what you're saying, and it yeah. looks that way. But for me, what am I doing? I don't know. You're following your passion. I'm following and my passion to all these beautiful connections. Yes. yes, because I love connecting the dots. Yeah. Yes, and so you're pre you're presenting that for other people, and as a result yes. of that. 
you've naturally created community for people, right? And that's mm -hmm. very valuable because yes. there's so many people out there who, this is why, you know, I'm kind of saying this to our community, mm -hmm. that community is so incredibly important, you know, sharing, coming together and sharing these experiences, right. sharing our mutual I don't knowness, you know, right. so that we can all explore and have these adventures but, together yes. and help to validate them for each other. But there are some things I do know when you surrender, like when I teach remote viewing, I say, drop out of the like conscious mind and let the subconscious come in and that will guide you because like i said before we are non-local consciousness yes we can access those realms and i do think that's what ets or whatever those beings are do they are not living in their personality yeah as we know it they are accessing a field of experience that is um um, abstract in a way, yeah. abstract awareness. I think that's where creativity can come into. Definitely, that's totally where creativity comes in. Yeah. Because I'll be talking about that at the upcoming conference I'm doing about abstract awareness and creativity and tapping into the unknown, uncertainty. Because creativity does come from the unknown. No, mm -hmm. but one of the great things Rantha said back then in 1981 is that we come in to make known the unknown. You know what that means? Yes. What does it mean? To make known the unknown, we use our creativity to just channel that information in whatever way it ends up manifesting. It's yes. representative of the information. It kind of think, makes me think of, I don't know if that's what you were looking no, for. No, that is sort of what it's looking for. That creativity, yeah. bringing things into form out of bringing something. the unmanifest into yes. manifest, yeah. basically. But yeah. the unmanifest doesn't even exist anywhere until it becomes channeled into form uh -huh. it's like there's not a map uh -huh. to the unknown it's just until consciousness takes an action or right it but until the flow of time also intersects with the creative mind yes. to bring things into form based on the atmosphere yeah. that yeah. we're in, inhabiting yeah, you're yeah. you're making me think of something my father said to me that I really love. My father's an artist, oh, um, really? he's a graphic designer and painter. And what did he say? So he said uh, at one point I was younger and I was asking him, you know, Dad, how what's this painting you're thinking of making? He had started one, right? It was just a bit of it on the canvas, and I said, "What is this? Like, what are you thinking? How what are you going to do with this painting?" And he looked at me and he couldn't articulate, and he said, "I can't." explain it you know talking about painting is like dancing about architecture right right <laughs> that reminds me of the um quote by t.s Eliot. he says poetry is a raid on the inarticulate oh so that's why i love poetry and the arts yes. because they you know there's a great dialogue of plato talking about socrates mm -hmm. socrates meets this poet on the road and he says to his poet you know what makes your poetry so great He's asking if he knows what he what he makes. And the guy says, yes, it's the way I use my words and the intonation and the, the rhythm. And the rhythm. And Socrates says, no, that's not what makes your poetry so great. He says, what? He says, when the gods speak through you. Yes. When you are out of the way yes. and you are a vehicle for the greater intelligence. Yes. Poetry is the language of the soul. That's yeah. it. So when the true art comes from that same place that the ETs come from, mm -hmm. when we're out of the way, when we're living in the abstract unknown mm -hmm. quality, then we can tap into 
the ongoing river of creation. As creators. Yeah, as creators. Mm -hmm. I love that. that. Yes. We are all creators. We that's are, like, why we're here. That. Yeah, yes. that's why we're here. And and I don't think that's something people know really. Well, we that, like you know, like some people are artists, and some people are creatives, and some people everyone's are not, an artist. But we all are. Yeah. We well, are. that's why we really need to push for disclosure because the true purpose, I think, of culture and civilization is for everyone to be an artist. Agreed. To to be part of the creation. Of yes, this, and add this to the creation. Yes. Add the unknown yeah. quality that yeah. is yet to manifest into form. Yes. That's another book I'm writing called The Flowering of Humanity, when we all live oh, as creative artists. Beautiful. Mm. Yeah, that's our destiny. We're all creating all the time, even the words that are coming out of our mouth. Yes. I don't know what I'm going to say next. <laughs> <laughs> yes, I love yeah. that. That's spontaneity of it. Yes. Well, but that's art. That's flow. That's yes. Yes. channeling. That's yes. being. Oh, indeed, indeed. Aww. I think that is a beautiful note to end. Oh, it's just oh, going to end. Yeah, we're creators. Just beginning. And, <laughs> this is part one. This is part right. one. Um, Alan, earlier you mentioned another book that you are yes. writing. So about uh, art and creativity. Yeah, remind the audience what what that's about. When well, it's that going to be is out. about tapping into the unknown. That is tapping into the divine mind of who we are in the infinite field. So I'm not sure what yeah, but sometime in the near future. Yes, I think so. And to tease another one, which is uh, the untold story of the first ever ET contact, I think it was What's something that? like that. Did you I alluded to it. You said that um, you were going to be telling this this story of untold ET contact. Did I say that? Did I say is that right? I couldn't have tell you It's all right. His next book promises right. to bring to the world the first documented case of ET oh, that's contact right. that has never been revealed. That's right. That is that <laughs> is part of what I want to do. There's there's a yeah something I'm working on. Okay, so you've got and exciting it. stuff in the, on the go. Very Where can people find you? How can they? Oh well, get look at my you? YouTube channel. That's YouTube.com/slash/NewRealities. I have an ongoing series about ET contact and. You know, people who have had contact and where we're going and what the ETs are saying and channeling and spiritual wisdom. So that's on my YouTube channel, New Realities. And then you can email me at newrealities at earthlink.net. I have a website that should be up any year now, newrealities.com. New you could find me on Facebook, on Steinfeld, um, what else? Instagram, same name. And Alan's book. And my book. And my book, Making. Content. And we will link link to Alan's information and in his books in the show notes. So check that out and definitely follow him for so many more amazing yes. conversations. It's just beginning. We are exploring unknown territories. We, we are, are. You know, that's one more thing I just want to add is that sure. you know, for two years we've been locked inside our yeah. little house time on a spiritual retreat, the world. And now the future is unknown. Mm -hmm. Yes, there's wars, this thing, but we can carve a new path. There's a, a lot yeah. of butterflies coming out of their cocoon right now, I think. Yes, you're one of them, right? Yeah, it doesn't yes. have to be scary. It can be an adventure. It's an opportunity. It's all an adventure. Even if they stand there right in front of these ETs, they're not greater than you. They really aren't. They may be more intelligent. But they're not greater than <laughs> yeah. you. We're equal to that. Yes. yes. All I from just, the same source. Yes. All, exactly. all just doing this life experience. Mm -hmm. Vibrationally, you know, we're in an upgrade. Mm -hmm. So 
Let's have a number of conversations soon. We oh, we should. Got we should. Thank yes, you so much, Alan. Good. Yes. Thank you for being here. It was oh, so good. Thank you both. Thank you so much for your energy. It's nice to meet you in person. Yes. yes. We've been on Zoom a bunch yes. of times. Yes. Yes. It's and so good to make community like this. Thank you. Thank you. I'm a star people. Thank you. Yeah. It's so so exciting to see Star Family Wisdom become what it's becoming and what is to it be, be a support system for people. It's really about cosmic evolution. And, and education and and stepping into our our spiritual shoes yes I'm yeah i'm yes. glad to be a part of that yeah thank you we're so grateful to be here and sharing your knowledge and oh, experience okay. with us yeah and i think the book is really along those lines because it the is. book is really more about us than them yes about who we are yes it was pivotal in my journey oh so was definitely it? get it yes oh can you write that in a, in a <laughs> yes i'll send you i'll send you one <laughs> that would be great no because i didn't know that yeah well, I just met you. yeah i didn't know that yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i was one of my faves thank you yeah. jenna yeah. thank you thank you, you Alan. thank yes. you for watching thank you everyone, everyone for being with us don't forget to like review subscribe rate make sure youtube knows you want more of these videos and comment tell us what you think uh mm -hmm. about the show and about everything we talked about right. have you had an et experience what has it been like we yeah. want to hear from you and start yes. making content yes. yes we want to hear from you join our community you know share your stories ask questions make comments tell us what you'd like to see more of if you want to see more of alan which we know you do then please let us know that yep put your questions put your questions in the comments and we'll grab them and and, and share them next time right yeah thank you for joining us thanks everyone we'll see you next time